I'm Adam Madison. You're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Today is my last solo episode. Wednesday, Peter and I will be back together. We've been revamping the pod suite. We've uh, we've been wanting to get back into that original space that we designed for this You'll Hear It podcast. We were out in the pod hall for a little while. It was a little too reverberous for our taste. And it didn't have all the bells and whistles that we're accustomed to. So we thought, you know what? Let's just invest in making our pod suite a little bit more socially distant, a little bit more responsible. I hear there's a rumor there's going to be plenty of plexiglass. So I'm excited. Um, But today I wanted to talk about something that is really important. And that's how to get better at phrasing when we're improvising. It's something that isn't talked about as much as other nerdier topics like scales or voicings, but it's probably more important. And it's not talked about a lot because it's hard to put into words. Before I get into that, though, uh, I want to talk about our new sponsor. We have a brand new sponsor to the show. Well, it's a new sponsor to the show, but it's probably not new to any of you. It's MuseScore. The MuseScore editor is by far the most popular free music notation software you can get. It's amazing. It's free. It has pretty much everything you would need. You know, I do a ton of arranging and composition and I get asked all the time, I don't have any music notation software, what should I get? And I always recommend MuseScore first. And in my band, the 442s, we use MuseScore uh, to present all of my compositions and arrangements on our iPads as we play. It's just beautiful. It looks great. But did you know that they also have MuseScore.com, which is the internet's largest sheet music catalog. It's amazing. Um, and so our You'll Hear listeners are getting a special offer here. If you follow the link in the description, uh, you can upgrade to MuseScore Pro at 65% off. How about that? A 65% discount of MuseScore.com, the pro service with all of the sheet music. I mean, 20,000 pieces of sheet music new a month. It's pretty incredible. So go to uh, musecore.com slash upgrade and uh, follow that link for the, you'll hear it here in the description and you can save yourself 65%. Okay. Well, today I want to talk about phrasing. What is phrasing exactly? Well, it's, it's phrases and it's, it's how we use them as we improvise. And it's one of the more challenging things, I think, to get our heads around. It's one of the more challenging things to teach to do a, a real analysis on different players' phrases requires a, a surgical precision of awareness of what's going on in the music and a big picture outlook and a small picture outlook. It's, it's almost, honestly, too much to try to explain. And so that's where I want to start with this. You know, we talk all, all the time here about what's number one, listen. It can't be uh, emphasized enough here that to get better at phrasing, the first thing you have to acknowledge is that you have to listen to a lot of music. And you have to listen closely and try to pay attention to phrases. When does a phrase start? When does a phrase end? What happens in the phrase? What's the shape of a phrase? Does it go up in pitch and then down in pitch? Does it start up and then go down and go back up? Does it go all over the place? What is happening within the phrase? How long is the phrase? How many seconds is it? How many notes is it? How many short phrases are in a row? How many long phrases? Is it a short phrase, long phrase, short phrase pattern? What is happening to the length and intensity of the phrases as the solo is going along? These are all questions that we need to ask ourselves as we're listening to music if we want to get better at phrasing. And again, like just me explaining it that way, you can see this is a difficult subject to teach. And I know plenty of people have tackled it and have done great jobs. Um, But I have some specific things that I like to think about when I think about phrasing. And I wanted to share them with you. right now because there's just there's just a little bit of ambiguity 
with all of, all of our possibilities here for phrasing. So the first thing I want to talk about is listening. Um, and I always like to make the analogy to a foreign language. So if I wanted to learn Spanish, that's great. I can learn, I can learn all of the, the syntax and I can learn all of the grammar from a book. That's no problem. Any of the, the verbs, any of the nouns, no problem. That's memorization. I can do that. But if I want to learn the cadence of a language, well, now this is getting a little bit more complicated, right? Because Spanish in Madrid is a completely different rhythm and pitch than Spanish in Mexico City. And that's completely different than Spanish in Santiago or Spanish in Lima or Spanish in Arizona. It's all completely different, the way that the rhythm and the pitch flows. And this is phrasing. It's the same kind of thing. So that's what we need to, to wrap our heads around. We, we can learn this, like, again, going back to the analogy of Spanish, I could learn the rhythm of, say, a Mexico City cadence of Spanish, right? There's, there's symbols that we can use in language that, that can dictate that rhythm and that pitch and the phrasing. But is that the most effective way for me to get that into my own speech? Almost certainly not. It, rhythm and pitch and phrasing is something that is, it's counterintuitive to intellectualize it. Like it's so much easier and more natural to just experience it. It's really why it's, it's one of the more difficult things to teach. It's why you don't see a ton of uh, clickbaity YouTube videos about phrasing and about getting better rhythmic language. It's just harder to do. You have to actually put in the time of listening and paying attention. So that's where I want to start with this. You will never get better at phrasing unless you're listening for things like rhythmic variation, pitch variation, length and duration of phrases, how the phrase is structured over a solo. You have to spend time doing that. You have to spend significant time doing that. But this is great, right? If you didn't know that before, now you have another thing that you can spend listening for. And it makes listening to music super fun. Like you're going to come out with insights about people that you've probably heard a million times like Miles Davis or Bud Powell or Keith Jarrett that you never thought about before. So that leads me to my first, uh, my own personal revelation with phrasing happened about 10 years ago. And I was transcribing uh, some Herbie Hancock and I noticed, I think it was from One Finger Snap. It might've been longer than 10 years. It might've been 15 years ago. I'm old. Anyway, uh, transcribing one finger snap. And I noticed just how short Herbie's phrases were compared to what I was playing when I tried to blow over one, one finger snap. I was speaking in run on sentences. I just couldn't shut up. Herbie is playing these succinct, short phrases. And then I started to notice that in all the other players I love. I started to notice it in the Oscar Peterson solos that I was transcribing. I started noticing it in Keith Jarrett solos. You think of Keith Jarrett as a very verbose player, right? But when you break down his the length of each individual phrase, they're super short. They're super short. They're way shorter than what you're playing. And then when I started working here at Open Studio, I started transcribing a lot of Peter Martin, a lot of Jeffrey Keezer, and I noticed the same pattern. These guys are playing shorter phrases than I am across the board. This can't be a coincidence that all these great players are playing such shorter phrases. So that's where I want you to start with this. Chances are you're probably playing too long of phrases at the beginning of your solos too often. And if you really pay attention to the masters, it's a lot shorter than you might think. And they get more out of it. They have more phrases per solo than you and I might uh, because they're, they're shorter. And another, uh, another character of phrasing from the greats 
that I've noticed uh, is not only are the, the phrases short, but there's a ton of variety between the phrases. So one of the things that makes art great, one of the things that we're attracted to is the artist's ability to mix the familiar with the novel. That's what they're doing. They're, they're kind of communing with us with things that they know we are going to accept and agree with in their art. And a good artist then is surprising us with something we are not expecting, something we would never consider to be a possibility in the moment of where they put it. And that's how great music is made too, is I am setting you up. I am inviting you in. I'm giving you something familiar. And then I'm giving you something completely novel that you would never dream of happening. So that those two things, right? Short phrases and this mix between the familiar and the novel is where I want to start uh, our discussion of how to get better. And that leads me to this. How do we get better at this? Is there a way to practice phrasing? Well, we can listen, as I said, and listening goes a long, long way. Getting the sound and language of great players, great phrasers in your head is probably 80% of the work here. You have to get the language in your head. You have to be able to sing beautiful, varied, short phrases all the time or else you're going to get nowhere. But there is a a technical thing that we can do, a a little thing I've developed over the years that really helps me. I, I spend time on this every couple of months where I'll spend about a week working on this one thing and I notice that it really keeps me in good shape. It really keeps my phrases fresh. It it keeps me from from those those run-on sentences which as pianist is is always, you know, a, a ugly possibility. But hey, even trumpet players and and saxophone players get into this too where it's just these these huge long lines all the time. Um and so there's an exercise we can do to kind of get it out of that. And it's it involves keeping our phrases very short as you might suspect. We want to think about that first and foremost. Short phrases. But the game I like to play is some restrictive practice where I change the rhythmic duration that the phrase is based around with each phrase. So this is restrictive practice, meaning that I'm giving myself a very hard rule that I need to follow as I practice. Let's work this over the tune Solar by Miles Davis. Okay, that's the head. And now we're getting into the solo. What can we do over these very common changes to practice phrasing? Well, we do these short phrases, and with each phrase, we have to do a different subdivision of the beat as the basis. What does that mean? So let's start out with quarter notes, and then whatever I do next has to be different. So if my first phrase is quarter notes, right? One, two, three, four... That doesn't mean, by the way, playing straight quarter notes like this. Just it's quarter note based, right? There's some eighth notes in there. There's some half notes in there. But really, it's based around a core. Like I'm thinking. Really quarter note based. The next phrase, after I do that short quarter note based phrase, has to be something different. So maybe I'll do eighth notes. Right? Short phrase, as short as I can make it. And maybe after eighth notes, I want to do something different. So I'll do triplets. 
Maybe that's it. As short as I like. And then maybe I'll do half notes after that. Right? Trying to keep it short. Already I'm kind of running on more than I'd like to. And then maybe I go back to quarter notes. That's a short phrase. That's great. Maybe I then go to triplets. Quarter note triplets, right? Okay, I've done that. I have to do something different. Every time I stop and have a pause, I have to recalibrate and do something different. So that, if we just do that, right, with no other rules, that we just have to do something different and it has to be short, it's going to sound something like this. Let's give it a go. One, two, one, two, three, and... So literally just changing the phrase, changing the the duration of the note that was kind of the base of the phrase with each phrase. And you might have noticed, even then, I kind of let my phrases go on longer than I think I could have. Something that's a real challenge, especially as you're thinking about the duration. So yeah, this is a great way to start. Just being conscious of, I can't play the same duration-based phrase the same way twice. It's a great way to get out of your head. There's another way, like we can, we can do a couple other ways to kind of get even more refined with this. So maybe the next way we'll do is I'll start with longer durations, like half notes, and then whittle it down, like keep getting shorter and shorter durations. So I'll do half notes, and then maybe I'll do... Uh, quarter note triplets and or dotted quarters maybe i don't know and then maybe uh quarter note triplets and eighth notes and eighth note triplets and just keep whittling my way down to smaller and smaller durations until i feel like it's going too fast and then i'll get back to half notes or even dotted half notes i don't know let's see what happens one two one two three and So there we go. Little short phrases where after each phrase, I kind of shorten up the duration, right? I went from half notes to quarter notes, quarter note triplets to eighth notes to eighth note triplets to 16th notes eventually. Uh, I might not have done that perfectly, but that was kind of the general idea, right? It's getting shorter and shorter. So that's one really effective way we can practice this technique. The other way is the same kind of thing. We do short phrases as short as we can. And, um, Instead, we try to make contrast. So I might do, really all I'm thinking is like long duration, short duration, long duration, short duration. So if I do half notes, the next phrase will be eighth note triplets. And then after that, the next phrase might be quarter note triplets, something longer, right? So whatever I do, 
I'm just I'm just going between going. I got to go shorter. Now I got to go longer. Now I got to go shorter. Now I got to go longer. This gets us a really great effect. And I actually, even sometimes on gigs, if I'm if I'm feeling like I'm struggling with my phrasing, I'll just kind of like deploy this strategy. It works really, really well. I'm I'm always still thinking about. I'm not like trying to be strict with it, but I'm still thinking about melody and all that stuff. But this can really get me out of a funk of just again. We want to try to avoid just running our hands doing the same old stuff we always do. Let's hear how that would sound if I just alternate between. Okay, I'm going to go long. I'm going to go short. I'm going to go long. I'm going to go short. Let's give it a shot. One. sloppy but that's kind of the point it's harder to just do that than uh merely play a solo it's why we do restrictive practice um for just that reason because uh it makes us think about how we're doing things a little bit differently but you can kind of see actually there's some really nice moments in there because it wasn't getting repetitive it wasn't just a line of eighth notes or just sticking with one rhythmic theme throughout it was kind of um switching themes rhythmically as I went. It's a, it's a really great way to kind of get out of your head about eighth notes or phrasing or technique. Anyway, I hope you find this useful. I certainly do. I, I love thinking about phrasing in this way of just mixing it up rhythmically, uh, changing that duration, not doing the same thing twice and keeping your phrases short. That's so, so important, especially like, I mean, the first three quarters of your solo, you're probably not playing as short of phrases as you could be uh, to be as effective as possible. So just have a go at that. Try that restrict, restrictive practice if you want uh, some new ideas about phrases. And uh, yeah, this is my last solo. You'll hear it for a while. We got the pod suite up and running. I was there earlier. It looks great. And uh, we'll be recording some more next time. And again, check out our new sponsor, MuseScore. Check out the link here in the description uh, to give them a holler and... Uh, and check out that discount for MuseScore Pro. It's awesome, awesome stuff. All right, y'all. Until next time. <laughs>